Christmas. Just like the ones I... Fuck. No, you go ahead. It's too late. Matthew? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. It's too much. May your days be merry and And may all your Christmases be black. Okay. How am I doing? I'm doing pretty good. Coming at you. (laughs) Coming loud in your face, in your ears, eardrums, piercing them, getting in your brain, earworm. (sighs) We're in there. We are. We've been in there. Well, we're reviewing Black Christmas, the yeah, uh, the movie that Carpenter looked at and said, "Yeah, I'll copy that." <laughs> He's like, "Hey, what if I could? Uh, what if I did that one?" But uh, well, you know, I mean, he he did it better, but you know, that's that that's no diss on this movie. But he, no. he, he there's no diss, but it, he did better. Supposedly, I think Bob Clark and him, and who was Bob Clark being the director. And writer of this film, I believe there was some kind of, and I think we covered this in the trivia for the, uh, the Halloween episode. Um, I think this is like kind of a spiritual successor to that, of course. Number yeah. one, continuing the slasher theme. Um, number two, it's holiday themed. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities, actually, which we'll get into, of course. I'm actually going to double check this, but I think well, initially what happened. Oh, okay, go ahead. Well, just a quick thing. Bob Clark suggested in an interview in 2005 that Carpenter asked him for yeah. his own ideas for a sequel to that movie. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he was like, well, what if I did a sequel? Um, but it's his own thing. That's not the same studio or anything, of course. And Bob Clark was cool with it. I mean, he, it, he doesn't rip him off, so to speak, but we'll get into it a little bit more. Yeah, I, I've heard about this movie so many times because, like, every time you, you'll see someone talk about, like, what's the first slasher movie? I mean, people like to say Psycho, although, like, kind of the modern-day description of a slasher uh, doesn't really fit well with Psycho. Um, Psycho mm-hmm. really isn't a slasher. I mean, you have, like, two kills in the movie, and... It, it doesn't really have all the, the tropes that we, you know, that people, when they people think of a slasher, they don't, they don't think of Psycho. That's kind of babyish. Um, but whenever you it, see a list, sorry, it's like but, a pro, it's like a, sorry, sorry. It's a, it's a proto slasher, I guess. It's just like the precursor to the mo- more modern slasher, which we get here in the seventies with Christmas and uh, Halloween. Yeah. So whenever you, like, whenever I saw a uh, list, like what's the first slasher movie, I always saw this or like Texas Chainsaw. Um, and I think there's like another big one that people always talk about that I'll have to look for, and then we'll probably talk about it on the show. But I I have heard about this movie so many times, so I was happy to finally watch it. Get that monkey off my back. Um, and I remember like a year ago I saw ads for like a remake for this movie on YouTube, and I thought, <laughs> man, this looks really shitty. And I just I never watched that movie. Um, but maybe I'll the watch ads it for that... just to see. What are you going to say? The ads for that, sorry. <laughs> I think there's a little bit of delay between us because there's more overlap than normal. But the ads for that movie last year, 
Um, we're all over Instagram. I mean, this is this might be region dependent, but fuck, every time you would open Instagram during November, they they were shilling this movie hard. Oh, they I were bet. really going for it. Uh, and apparently it's not that good. It's supposed to be a sort of feminist spin on this film, uh, in which, you know, the sorority sisters fight back against the killer. Oh, uh, shit. So, so, so a more modern, um, a slasher for the modern age in which, you know, we can, we don't need to necessarily delight in the murder of young women, uh, which of course is just something we need to leave behind permanently in all of cinema. It's kind of odd how, like, a lot of people have this conception, this idea that for a, a female to be, like, strong in a movie, she just has to, like, kill people and be, like, physically <laughs> strong. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like well, you know, it, first feminism or something. It's a regressive, it's a regressive version of strength or idea of strength because it's, yeah. it's really, it's equating it to... The, the the traditional depiction of men's strength which is just literal physical strength which is lame uh and you know like it's not it's not that cool that is to say you know the characters in this film it's not that the female characters and, and a lot of the cast is female because it's centered around a sorority um centered around specifically this young girl named jess who's a member of the sorority um and you know one i don't know what day this is i i it's not christmas eve i don't think i don't think they explicitly state it no at any point um it's i think it's just during the holiday season you know there's lights everywhere everyone's having a good time everyone's getting drunk hitting the liquor taking leahy swigs (laughs) but this centers around this girl named jess um during the holidays at the sorority house and you know a couple of evenings during the season and uh, you know, you know how this, you know how the story always begins. There's kind of a crazy guy on the loose, and you know he's pretty sly at first. Nobody knows he's there, and then his presence gets more and more felt as people start dropping like flies. People start disappearing. The cops get involved. It's a very traditional kind of slasher fic, but it's very well executed in my opinion, and it was pretty delightful to watch. It's traditional, yes, but like. Well, we have to keep in mind that it is kind of one of the movies that set the groundwork for it all. And when I was watching this, I'm like, oh, yeah, so many movies have adopted this. Like, the the big thing is the sla- the killer, who is, like, unnamed. We know nothing about him throughout the whole movie. He just hides out in the attic of the sorority house. And he calls them. Mm-hmm. And so, so many movies have used this or parodied it, like Scream did it. Um, I wouldn't say it was a parody, more of an homage to like you know the mm-hmm. the guy who calls you and harasses you over the phone, and the the phone calls are one of my favorite parts of the movie because they are just so spooky. Um, he calls mm-hmm. and he he talks about these characters who we have we never learn anything about, like Billy and Agnes. Um, mm-hmm. he he's always talking about those two, and then he talks in different voices. And he's really, uh, like, unreceptive to what anyone is saying to him on the phone. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the, the first time he calls, he's, he's talking some shit about wanting to have sex with the girls or whatever. But, which never really comes to light. So it's kind of weird that they added that line of, 
the sexual aspect right at the beginning, which doesn't go anywhere. Um, but all, all the phone calls throughout the movie are, are really, they're really effective. Uh, and I, I saw, I could just immediately tell that, oh yeah, so many movies have, I mean, it had to be, it obviously was effective because so many movies have, you know, copied that or not copied, but use that same idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? I'll say this about like the sexual aspect in the initial call. He's saying obscene stuff, which uh, surprise, surprise in like Britain, they like kind of censored a lot of that because uh, he said the C word, which is a no go. But you know what? I saw that at his beginning as that was kind of misdirection. Um, because, you know, initially you just think it's a prank call because he's just saying, oh, you know, suck my cock. <laughs> Which is, you know, what you would expect, like, some, some dumbass uh, dudes to phone into a sorority house. Like, oh, I'm going to come. Oh. Uh, but then uh, later on, in over the course of the film, when you get more and more calls, you kind of clue in that, A, number one, it's not crank calls. It's whoever this killer is that's running around. And also, he completely abandons that aspect. And you're right. He starts focusing on talking about Billy and Agnes. And a weird thing about the calls is that all the calls are done in, like, he does different voices. They know it's one guy, but he's doing all these voices he's imitating. And I have to give props um, for not only this, um, just the direction in that regard in terms of the phone calls, but I really like, um, shit, what was I going to say? I really like the voice work that's done. Um, the, in fun fact, they actually got a few people to do the voices. Uh, it wasn't just one guy. Oh, uh, really? I think Nick met. Yeah, they did. They got a few different people to do like some of the voices and contribute, um, and it's and it's cool because number one, the the killer is alluding to this thing Billy and Agnes, some kind of trauma. Um, spoiler alert, which never gets resolved, and that's one thing we'll talk about, especially towards the end, is the ambiguity of it all. Um, but it's just it's really unnerving when you hear these calls. Um, usually in a slasher fic, you'll just get the typical, you know, kind of heavy breathing. That was a, that was an easy one. I think that's in When a Stranger Calls yeah. or something like that. Um, but this one, the guy sounds seriously deranged and crazy, crazy. And it's, yeah. it's, it's really, really well done. It's, it's genuine horror when every time you hear the phone phone ring, cause you don't know what's going to come out of that, uh, little earpiece there. Yeah, yeah, the phone call is easily the best part. So here's what I'll I'll say though. I story wise, the the beginning and middle was kind of a snooze fest for me. I was kind I of see. bored. Interesting. I there were parts that really interested me. Um, I I really enjoyed the idea that the killer was just inside the house along with the victims, and. Mm -hmm they're looking for these people the whole movie and that they're just right under their nose. I love that. Um, and one big thing in a lot of slasher films, like in psycho, you see kind of at the beginning, the first kill and then the investigation throughout the whole movie. But usually like in slasher films, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you don't see any of the investigation. You just see the horror and that's it. Um, yes. And that, uh, again, with Halloween, you you see the investigation as well. But a lot of times, in a lot of horror movies, it's just you you just see the horror. And I do like movies like Reservoir Dogs, for example. Although this isn't Reservoir Dogs, but Reservoir Dogs, you don't even see the heist; you just see the, the aftermath. And this is heavily just like the aftermath, because mm -hmm. what they could have done is just 
cut out the investigation and then it could have been a survival horror or something. It could have been a completely different movie with the same premise, but they went with the investigation route. Um, and that was cool, but uh, the investigation was kind of, uh, it wasn't that interesting, unfortunately for me. I, I can agree with that. You know, you have um, John Saxon, uh, John Saxon as this chief, as the police lieutenant, um, who we've seen as the lieutenant in Nightmare on Elm Street yep. as well. I think he yep. fulfills the exact same role, um, which was like kind of a deja, that was a big deja vu moment. Um, but yeah, so throughout the course of the film, initially they they phone and or what happens is that Claire, who is a younger um, member of the sorority, goes missing uh, one night and her father the next day who's supposed to meet her in the city um, finds that she did never arrive. So they end up going to the police and they end up looking around uh, and concurrently they find out some 13 year old has disappeared. And surprise, surprise, when there's comb in the park, they find that 13 year old. Um, we never see what happened to her, but supposedly she's been horribly disfigured in some sort of deranged way. Um, and then, of course, we get into some real police work. You know what the you know what I'll say though, Luke, is that if you don't have this police plot line, you can have the moment where they tap the phone and they say the call is coming from inside the house. Yeah. And that's the that's the big stinger there. John Saxon does a pretty good job as a police chief. I mean, he if you see Nightmare on Elmstream, he's doing the same thing here. Uh, he always kind of lends a nice old timey presence. He's uh, I looked into I don't know much about John Saxon. I looked into his his uh, his filmography. He's done a lot a lot of roles, and he's done a couple other horror movie police roles. But he lends a kind of gravitas and a and a kind of a, I don't know like fifties or sixties uh by the book cop appeal to the film that i kind of like so his performance was nice there's also a kind of couple nice scenes uh and particularly one great comedic one uh involving the police there's this one sergeant who mans the door and if you're looking for the crappy police movie cop this is the stupid <laughs> movie cop who sh shit is a yeah. job he's he's a dick to everybody he, he don't know nothing um initially <laughs> that's a great moment um and, and, and you know that'll be good that'll be a good segue to talk about the characters but uh yeah one of the sorority members this drunken uh girl named barb who's who's pretty uh, raunchy uh gives him a i guess at this time they would give extension like two letter extensions or something for for phones or whatever yeah. i don't know how this works we just use 204 um but she says it's fellatio somehow this guy's never heard of fellatio before i don't know fellatio was a new thing in the 70s that they just debuted <laughs> like it <laughs> fellatio just, it dropped just dropped or something but this guy they just, the guy never heard of it uh and there's a great scene where um the police john saxon's right hand man or whatever is just laughing crying laughing at his desk and he mr i should find out what his character's name is rather than referring to him as saxon but he he starts laughing too and he goes to the sergeant he says uh this is the extension fellatio and he's like yeah that that nice young lady gave it to me and i'll say this about the film is that in regards to comedic moments there are some standout ones that i actually enjoy quite a bit um let's go to the characters because that'll be another good mo way to touch on the comedic characters so there's jess She's the uh, she's the main uh, character in the series or in, in the series, sorry, in this film. Um, her boyfriend Peter is a kind of a cause of some strife for her uh, in this particular film. 
He's Dave from 2001. Um, yeah. I I was wa- I was watching the movie and I thought this guy looks familiar, but neither can't place it. So I looked it up. I couldn't believe it was Dave. He looks different because he's got a different cut, um, and also he he doesn't have that Kubrick stare that he usually does. <laughs> um, I, so we have Jess. Um, she's having a bit of trouble with Peter. Um, who ends up being a suspect later on in the investigation, which I guess is kind of another uh, slasher staple is is the boyfriend, the killer, question mark. They touch it's on this done really well. Scream. It's done really well in this, I'll agree. Um, so Jess is, uh, finds out that she's pregnant and she wants to get an abortion. Peter disagrees um, and obviously he wants her to have the baby. He also ends up um, a failing i suppose one of his concert recitals uh he's a dedicated concert pianist and he decides to abandon that um and request just to marry him but she refuses um you have her and some of the other sorority members you have margot kidder who people know as lois lane from the superman films i really like her performance in this she plays um in as a, in terms of the slasher movie staple she plays like the kind of loud mouth uh drink and smoking character that you guess that gets killed later on uh, but she does a great job and fun fact which is like kind of sad in hindsight but margot kidder um was drinking real alcohol in all of her scenes oh, that was boy. real whiskey she and beer she was sipping, uh, sipping on which is sad in hindsight because a she had substance abuse and mental uh, health problems and a couple of years ago she actually committed suicide uh from an alcohol and drug overdose r.i.p but she does a good job here. Um, she just drunk the whole movie. Uh, but she's, Still a great she's really night. good. <laughs> Still a great night. <laughs> Still a good time. You know, just forget what, about what I just said. Uh, then you also have Phil. She is sort of the more level-headed friend to Jess. They seem pretty close. And she's accompanying her throughout most of the film. Um, you have Claire, who's killed off early in the film, and her boyfriend, um, and then you also have an, an another great comedic character piece and in a role similar to Bob, a Barb, oddly enough, you have Mrs. Mack, who's kind of the caretaker of the home. She's, she's, she comes off, um, you know, when in the presence of other as very motherly, or at least she tries to pretend to be so, but really she has stashes of scotch everywhere. She <laughs> swears, uh, this, this, this the scotch um, gag particular is great. She she has one in her book, which is like classic. Then you see her, she has one in the toilet tank, which is kind of disgusting. Uh, and then she has, and then she just has one in the box in the closet, which she, which uh, the supply of which was exhausted. Barb and Mrs. Mac as like these uh, drunky characters, they, they provide a lot of comedic moments in the film. Among others, there's another great comedic moment in this film when these two search party guys come by their house. Uh, these just two dumbass stooges, one of them with a shotgun, one of them they look like they look like they're straight off like an SNL skit or something <laughs> uh, of of like some portrayal of Hicks. Uh, the, these are the kind of guys that would have been shooting. These are the kind of guys that would have been delighting shooting zombies in Dawn of the Dead and in Night of the Dead. But I regress. And that was a great. That was a great. Uh, placement of the comedic moment because at that point in the film things are really heating up this is in the third act and you have these random men appear at the window scaring the hell out of phil um and then they open the doors these two goofs and they have a quick little laugh before they go back to being scared and and terrified for their lives um 
the ca- the cast all around I'll say is pretty well done. Olivia Hussey as Jess does like a d- decent job as like the main scream queen in this. Uh, nothing to write home about particularly, but I think everyone fulfills the role well. Um, to me, like the standout cast wise, and this is a weird thing, is that it's the killer. Number one, the amalgamation of all the voices they have. Number two, the camera work that they do for the killer is great because what we get here is POV shots mm-hmm. of, of of the killer, which we see prominently in, of course, Halloween. Halloween. Um, and I looked this up and this is like, this isn't the first instance. Apparently there was a 1960 film called Peeping Tom that does the exact same thing. Uh, but this is like the first, I guess, modern incarnation of the POV shot for the slasher, which is, of course, another staple. And it's all done really well. Um, apparently, they just mounted a camera to his head. In the initial scene, when he climbs, whatever those things are that people have in their house to let robbers in all the time. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> if you've seen Knives Out, you know what I'm talking about. The, the thing where you... I don't even know what that's called. Just where they put vines and shit for whatever reason. Yeah. In that shot, I don't know if you noticed, but you can actually kind of see like the headpiece that he has on with the camera. Yeah. Which is just a small thing. There's there's a couple of small goofs that I noticed in this film. But the budget supposedly was pretty small. 620000 which actually is pretty large for the time, I guess. But... Um, it wasn't a huge production. Let me see how much Halloween was made on. Comparatively, Halloween was actually half of that, which is like 300000 But um, the killer is great. He's just a great as a shadowy, deranged figure. I love the scene in the attic, uh, I guess towards the end of the second act, um, when for no reason at all and completely unprompted in the attic while he has Mrs. Mac's body, who gets killed later on, of course, and Claire's. Um, who is has like a really great, um, just horrific visual presence in the film as a dead body because she just has this open-eyed, agape mouth face um, in this like vacuum sealed plastic bag that she got strangled in. And mm-hmm. There's a couple of shots where they show that um, either characters leaving the home and they sort of just as a reminder that yeah he's still in the attic. There's this one shot where he just randomly for no reason, just starts raging. He just throws things. He's And it's just a great way of showing how like psychologically disturbed this character is. In a way, you almost wish you got a little bit of insight into what is going on to this guy's head. But I guess that's part of the ambiguity of the film. Particularly, the ending really commits to the idea of not really giving you too much in regards to what's going on in this guy's head. But... Um, He's my, he's the standout to me. He's portray, he's also portrayed by a number of people. Um, I think they had Bob Clark play his shadow, and then they had a couple of people present him physically. Although there are a few instances in the film where like you're almost convinced that he's Peter. Yeah, so there's he one looks just like him. There's one shot in particular, and it's where he goes um, to kill the drunkard girl, the Alki. And yeah. he grabs this crystal unicorn that every girl has at their bedside. Um, he takes <laughs> it, and, and I was like, yeah, unicorn kill. Let's get it. Um, <laughs> uh, one thing I'll say that's kind of disappointing in this movie is the gore is a bit lame. And everything, all the killings are implied violence, which mm-hmm. is always a turnoff for me. It's... Well, you know what? It, they were really trying to get that Ebert four stars is what was happening. They didn't want to show too much. Yeah, they didn't. Movies are too violent. They are. And this one this one skirts the line for me, but I'm, I'm okay with it for now. 
and, and there's this one shot where basically all you can see is the middle third of this guy's face. You can see, like, not even, a half of a the middle third of his face. You can see his eyeball, kind of his nose, everything else is in is in darkness. And it looks exactly like Peter. And I was like, man, if it's not Peter at the end, that's going to make no sense <laughs> if it's a guy who looks completely different. Because I've seen, like, crappy movies where they've done that, where there's you know the killer shot and then later on it's not them and you and you're what you show you showed me him that's not the guy it's it's like when arthur lee allen killed all those guys and they released that crappy composite sketch of him that looked nothing like him it was such a it was a piss off it was bullshit i agree Um... that was parody that was a comedy routine arthur lee allen is innocent and uh, so that that made no sense, and I I tried looking it up like who who played that guy in that shot, and it seems like there isn't actually a clear answer. Um, there's a shot of his face, and there's one or two shots, I, I, just one shot actually, and it's a really good one where it's just his eye um, peeping through like a hole or something, and it looks like he has a, a like it almost looks like he has a contact lens in because his eye looks like a fucking Sith eye or something. It looks so weird. <laughs> Um, and it, there is some really good horror shots. That's definitely one of them where he's just like piercing through this little opening. Um, and I, and I looked it up and it said possibly Robert, what was it? Albert J. Dunk. Um, mm. and if, when I looked him up, I, I saw a couple pictures of him and it, I'm like, Oh, I could, I could see that. But I, it, I feel like it was definitely intentional, though, for it to look like Peter, because the hair is very similar, and you can see the silhouette of his shirt, and Peter's kind of wearing, like, this green turtleneck throughout the movie, and mm-hmm. the the shirt that, I'll call him Billy, Billy is wearing is, like, this green, although I think in the credits he's, like, the Prowler or something, the Moaner, or... The I think moaner, it's a Prowler. Yeah. It might be the Moaner. <laughs> Uh, it, it it looks like he's wearing that same green turtleneck, and that that was a piss off. Okay, I don't care if they look the same, but the fact that they're also wearing the same shirt that is too on the nose, and for that this movie it's zero bags. The first ever <laughs> zero bags for this movie. Okay, you you know what I can agree honestly. They make him look they they do make him look very much like Peter, and obviously this is meant to do be misdirection and the reason is because you don't really know up until the end of the film who it is yeah. um but they do lay the seeds well in terms of um uh, the suspense like whether or not it is peter you have peter there's a couple shots peter lurking outside the house yeah. there's a confrontation with jess in which he says if you get at that abortion you'll be sorry and then he leaves um there's the scene where after he fails his recital or he messes up terribly um uh, uh, I should mention, of course, that in that recital, and this is a really small touch, but the way he plays the piano is almost manic. And I don't and know if this sweating. is... sweating. 
I don't know if this is intentional, but it sounds really bad. Um, like it, it, like it's, it feels like he's missing chords. I don't know if it's meant to be. I don't know too much. I used to play piano, but I never got too much into concert pianism. But he plays in such a way that is, I guess, <laughs> uh, characteristic of somebody who would be kind of crazy or manic. He could um, just be doing experimental shit. Mm-hmm. He, he is, and he was ahead of his time. That's why they failed him. Um, he's he's taking it out on everybody else, um, and then of course the big thing that they that has the Jess and the police chief suspecting is that he says when they're having their argument regarding the abortion, saying you can't kill our baby just like you're having a war removed, and of course the killer repeats the same thing, um, which can be I guess credited towards the end of like after the film was done. If you're thinking how did he know that he would I guess the killer was in the house, so he would have overheard yeah. that and just yeah. mentioned that. Um, but we don't know up until the end, very end of the film, whether or not it is Peter, uh, or not. And it, that great, that, that whole plot line, um, has a great climax in my opinion, in which Jess is hiding in the attic or the basement, pardon, from the killer. And you see Peter knock on a window and say, Jess, it's me. And it's done in such a way where, you know, you don't know. And you, and of course everyone will have their inklings or suspicions, Mine was kind of confirmed with the ending, but the way he approaches her in a in such a gentle manner, you're not sure if he's being genuine, given mm-hmm. that he was so angry with her previous, or if he's just faking to go for the sneak attack. Um, and and then, do you want to talk about the ending now, or do you want to wait a bit? Well, I I just want to talk about how it was set up a bit, because I, I really really like the ending. And it was it was kind of the saving grace for the movie for me because most of it kind of was a bit boring. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll rewatch this movie and change my mind on that later. But I was kind of just like, let's get let's get on with it. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, they kind of have that confrontation. She runs to the basement, and then we hear stamping away, stomping away, and that um that part where she's in the basement again that's like that's a classic horror trope now going Mm -hmm. to the basement with the wooden stairs that i've never seen a house have and then there's the lighting the perfect lighting in the basement where only your eyes are lit up and everything else is is black um and then as soon as a killer leaves as soon as billy leaves the moaner the prowler the um the bay killer, you know, we see Peter and, and then, and then, the, and then he breaks in, he smashes a window and you're like, okay, well, I've, I've never done that to a, a girlfriend's host. Maybe I'll have to try that. Uh, see how many brownie points it scores me with the, the old miss. But uh, I'm a, most people would say red flag when your boyfriend smashes your window to get into your home. Um, and then, yeah, he, he walks up and he's like, Jess, are you there? And then as soon as he walks up to her, it cuts. And the movie at the end is just really, really good at at keeping that tension. Keep And I was I was hooked. I really was. Um, mm-hmm. And then we see then the detectives come in, go down and they see what a, for first appears to be that she's dead. And so is Peter. Mm hmm. But then she opens her eyes and then we're like, okay, well then I don't know about you. When I was watching that, I was like, okay, he was a killer, but there was still part of me 
because I watch this with with um, friend of the show, <laughs> and <laughs> I I I was like, there's no like, okay, it can't be Peter, and I was like, oh, that that is the the mark of a good movie. If it's still like, if I'm still like, ah, no, it could it couldn't be, you know, like I'm still invested even after it's over. Mm. And then it turns out it wasn't over. And we get an amazing credit roll where we just, um, like, so she's catatonic in the room. The detectives are trying to talk to her, and then she kind of just passes out. And then everyone leaves, and it, it just stays on her. Um, and then you hear the voices kind of fading out because they're leaving the house or, or whatever. And then we get a POV shot walking around the house and then up to the attic and the killer is still there. And then we see um, dead Bay girl at the window pans out and we could, you could see her from the street. Mm-hmm. And then the officers out there smoking a cigarette and then we hear the phone ring and it just keeps ringing throughout the credits. I don't know why, like, so, like, I find a lot of old movies, it didn't have that black screen credit scroll. A lot of old movies kind of ended on a picture or just um, something like that. Just like a very simple thing. And that that was a good way of ending the movie. It, like, it, 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 it wasn't was... like a sequel ending. It was just like uh, a horror gotcha like you, you're not gonna rest easy. He's still there. Same with Halloween. Like, gotcha. Nope. I agreed. I totally agree. Um, the thing with the credits, and this is a small thing, is that I think I mentioned this before. I literally, I really like films that integrate the credits in one way and seamlessly. I kind of miss in the old and or I I kind of miss in older films in which they would usually have like uh, a credit sequence earlier in the film with some visuals depicted. You know. First thing comes to mind is in Willy Wonka when they have the credits over the chocolate making, which really, you know, I think helps set the mood of the film. And then you have like a brief, you know, portion at the end. This Men one in Black, well. Napoleon Dynamite. It's nice to watch a movie in full and the whole thing is the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. It's nice that the, when the movie ends, there isn't just like, all right, five minutes of credits where everyone's going to leave and not watch that shit because <laughs> why would you? Unless they put some end credit scene in there, which, you know, most movies don't need. And but Thanos yes, comes. the ending is great. You know, for seasoned horror, horror fans or cult movie fans or really anybody who's seen a few movies, you know that as soon as they turn the lights out and they leave her alone and yeah. the camera starts to pan, you know, the dread is palpable. And you just know, oh, no, there's something left. There's something left. There's something going on. And of course, they go to the attic and the killer is still muttering about Agnes and Billy. Of course, which, you know, this past trauma never resolved. You just assume it's a crazy guy. And it's kind of nice that the film doesn't really delve that much into that. You know, they do that in Halloween, but they do it pretty briefly. They have that, I mean, they have the intro sequence with Michael Myers as a kid. But even then, they don't really explain, you know, Michael's psychosis or, you know, his bloodthirst. It's just he's crazy because, and you can kind of assume the same thing here um, with this character in Black Christmas. We don't need to have necessarily some Silent Night, Deadly Night thing where they have like some deep delve into his psychology. Um, but 
one thing that doesn't make logistical sense, and I, li- I like the ending a lot, Jess's fate is left um, ambiguous. You just assume that she dies because she's all alone in the house and the killer's still there. Okay, this is a small thing, but it really, it kind of broke my immersion. You're telling me the police didn't check the attic? Are you telling, is that what yeah. you're telling me? You're telling me the police had multiple murders in the house, they didn't check the attic? But yeah they're missing people why would then well they wouldn't search the house immersion is when the detective came to their house and then oh was this her room yep and then he just starts touching things not how that works (laughs) detectives don't just oh this is a crime scene oh this is a gun pick it up rattle it around check it out you leave that shit alone someone comes in they take a fuck ton of pictures for evidence and then you can start dinking around with it if you need to but this guy's like Mm. oh is this a glass that she was drinking out of (laughs) and smells it and gets his grubby fingers all over i'm like what are you doing that again like horror movie cops are just the are almost worse than real cops they're (laughs) almost useless huh almost (laughs) almost well it's just like you know like they had a murder in the house and they didn't search the whole house for um you know like they don't even know where he was staying and they didn't check the attic because where would he have been the whole time isn't the phone where's the phone again i think it's upstairs not in the attic yeah that was silly and the, the problem i have with that is not that you know like you know th- this is a thing like it's just a, it's a little plot hole you could say but it's no big deal the thing that my problem with it is that you assume because after peter is killed and then they kind of rule everything out you assume that they would have checked the attic they would have found the bodies and you would have known as peter that was my assumption that i was operating on but then they overlooked the attic which is like i, I know it's a small thing but it, it kind of bothered me a little bit because I, I felt my trust was a little bit broken you know because in in trying to deduce what was going on in this film myself while i was going on that felt like something that would obviously have been done, but uh, it's it's a small qualm. Otherwise, it's a great ending and it's extremely memorable. I agree. With you. I left the phone ringing throughout the credits. The whole phone motif motif throughout the film um, is great, um, and and uh, yeah, it's a really strong way to end this film that I enjoyed actually quite a bit. Here's my cope for the attic. Okay. Okay. It's not like a fully fleshed attic. The entrance to it is just the hole in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. I have one of those in my room. Do you even know, did you know that? I didn't know. Can you go? Can we go up there? If you want to get fucked by insulation, feel free. Because and probably squirrels. <laughs> that's all that's up there. Um, and it's the same sort of thing where, like, why would they? Why would they check the attic? And at that point, like, this is kind of Kobe because I mean. Maybe they would. I don't know if they Hans Landa every house they go to when they're looking for a missing person and they, you know, check the fruit cellar. I don't know. Um, like, if I went missing, are they going to check my attic tomorrow? I don't know. They um, they will. If you go missing tomorrow, they'll search the whole house because they'll look for anything. That's just, I mean, it's just a movie cops moment is the thing, which is like, whatever, you know, let it happen, I guess. I, I can't complain too much because I mean it happens in like fucking every horror movie. They ne- they never have, they're never like full full proof. 
they're never they're never doing all their due diligence. It's a small thing, but it's it's a thing nonetheless for me. And then if they do believe that Peter is a killer, which they do, then him dying, are they ever gonna like find the um the the missing people? I don't know. Are they gonna keep searching the house or is it I don't know how how that works. Maybe they keep looking for the body after the killer is 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 dead. Not sure. Also, a weird side note. Um, not the virgin trope, but the the what was the character's name who who lives? Jess. Jess. She has mm-hmm. a cross around her uh, around her neck. Hmm. So we and know she's a good Christian girl, of course. Even though she had premarital sex. Yeah. Which um, cannot be forgiven. <laughs> Maybe she maybe she deserved it all. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, a strong ending for the film. Um, overall, I don't know. I I enjoyed this. I think I, I think I liked this film more than you did. It's a very solid slasher for me, and to me, the I didn't have any really qualms. I can understand where you come from in regard to like the slow. I guess you could uh, what you perceive a slow pacing and such. But to me, that was kind of a plus because um, it was kind of reminiscent to me of John Carpenter in, in terms of like really patient filmmaking, you know, really taking times to set things up, to establish characters. They don't rush into it too much. They have great like panning shots where it's just slow and it helps build tension and, you know, POV shots here and there. But I can see why you would... I, 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 I totally... I don't necessarily disagree with the idea that you have that it's, you know, perhaps a little bit too slow, you know, especially when we've, this is ground that we've tread many times before. This can be kind of seen as something that, you know, needs a little bit more to actually engage. Well, one thing that didn't help is what, what was a drunk character's name? The, the girl, um, Barb, Barb. Yeah. I, it didn't help that I really didn't like her character and I, I like most of it was just fucking cringe. She's talking about watching squirrels have sex because uh, they they fuck for three days straight or whatever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. her drunk, I guess it wasn't acting, just her her being drunk isn't a very uh, it's not cute. Not that she's trying to be cute, but it's not uh, it's not entertaining or anything exciting to watch. Um, the fellatio scene was funny but other than that she's just like talking about cum and beer all, all movie long um, so when she finally bit the dust thank, thank god thank you Billy cause that was <laughs> that was good I like Barb you like Barb? I like Barb maybe I like Margot Kidder to a degree um, I, I, I think you know what knowing that Margot Kidder um, supposedly on the set for this film and like it just in general she was really like kind of hard to work with very distant all the time it almost lends a little bit of credibility to the character because that that's probably just the way she is all the time um, kind of distant from everyone and drunk all the time I don't know I liked it uh, she actually got nominated for like a Canadian screen role for like um, for best lead actress I think it was a Canadian screen award um, for this film uh, but I didn't mind her character too much. I thought she lended a little bit of levity. And you always ha- you have to have that character in the film that n- doesn't quite act irrationally, but acts a little bit um, sh- with a little bit less seriousness. 
uh, and a little bit more of an inclination towards having fun. Um, there's a nice, there's a, <laughs> I, I like that scene. I like the sea turtle scene number one because it's a small aside in the film. And this is like a sort of small comedic through line is that you have Claire's father there during most of the second and third acts of the film trying to figure out what happened to her daughter. Um, but every corner, what he wants to be like this clean sorority house where his daughter, he, you know, Mrs. Mac is drinking all the time. He sees these, he sees this peace poster, which is just two people having sex that Mrs. Mac tries to cover up. And then <laughs> she the, just puts the her hand over of, <laughs> Yeah. And then the combination of that is just Barb when her, he's looking for her missing daughter starts to talk about sea turtles fucking and then they say barb you're drunk go fuck the bed um it's sort of comedic it's kind of awkward in that scene to be quite honest but i think it achieved it well yeah i don't think so pal (laughs) agree to disagree okay yeah you want us to disagree sometimes this is the case i like margot kidder as barb she's just the worst she's the worst (laughs) Um, they come in to get you, Barbara. And they did. Billy unicorned her. You don't see a unicorn kill very often. You know I, what? I, Three kills I in this think... movie. Good, unique kills. Bat. Like, I wish I would have seen a bit more because, you know, that's kind of the reason why we watch horror movies is that, ooh, yucky, you know, gross out stuff. The bag kill didn't have to be gory. So that one just worked. And it was like a dress bag kill. Where, where do you see that? Nowhere. Um, you, then you get the kind of meat hook sort of thing. That was interesting. And then the unicorn one, that was, that was funny. There was some things in this movie that reminded me of Friday the 13th, like the, the POV shots that they use a lot in the first one. Um, Mm -hmm. and then just let's use any item we can find and make it into a kill. That's what they did. And I, I like, I like that early horror where it wasn't just, a shotgun blast in someone's face or a <laughs> knife slid in their throat. Or, which does, I guess there's a fourth kill. That uh, police officer that was supposed to be waiting outside the house and they kind of hint towards throughout the movie, oh, he's still there, oh, he's still there. He Well, he's dead. And we don't know for how long, but his throat is just slit and he's just... <laughs> He wasn't gonna help you either way, um, which is yeah, which is another another staple. Uh, which is eh, we got a patrol car outside. Don't worry. And then like shit, what's going on? The killer's still killing. They go to the patrol car. The guy's dead. We've seen that yeah. so many times. Yeah. Um, and it, it's and it's funny. They they kind of vaguely allude to that uh, in the initial scene when he said when Mister Saxon says, "Hey, the police cruise is here. You'll be safe." And Phil says, "Yeah, right." <laughs> so she she that was a kind of a fourth wall break moment there. Um, another small thing with that unicorn kill scene that was pretty cool I, I like the juxtaposition they had where they had a children's choir come to the door and distract yeah. Jess while this was happening and they sing come let us adore him that's a nice little scene that was probably the closest we get to like and if this is a small and perhaps unjustified criticism of the film not enough festive integration okay Silent Night Deadly Night if we have to compare that movie's all about Christmas Billy is killing um as santa you know his trauma stems from christmas punish god i was thinking about that earlier today punish punish we needed a little bit of punish from billy here other billy not billy from silent night deadly night 
Um, but this movie, arguably, I mean, like, it could have taken place not on Christmas. There wasn't enough Christmas for it. That's super small, and I won't even dock any points for that. But it would have been nice for it to be even more festive than it was. Wait, we got five kills. Okay, let's 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 set the record straight right now. Okay, number one kill, Claire dies. Number two yep. kill, Mrs. Mac dies. Number yep. three, police officer. Yep. Um, we assume that the 13-year-old in the park was also him. It has to be, I guess. Well, um, I mean, I wasn't counting that one, but yeah, we'll count that one. You had to count. I, I, I mean, I mean, you assume because she disfigured it wasn't just some random guy. Um, so that's four. And then um, who else gets killed? Jess, maybe. We won't count that one because it's amb- ambiguous. And her other uh, friend. The, uh, and then, and then Phil. The glasses. And then Phil and Barb. So that's six kills. Six kills. Yes. Yeah. Six. My bad. So that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty high body count. And then uh, Peter dies, but not at his hand. That one is like that one is like a forty chess kill, <laughs> where he where he manipulates Jess into thinking it's Peter, and she does the killing for him. Or we take a six D chess move, and Jess was Billy the whole time. Holy, that would be big brain. Um, <laughs> that 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 now you're on to something. I, I like that idea. Um, and the, and, the scene and this where is another, she's on the phone. It's just all her. <laughs> it's just her making voices going. Oh no! Hang up the phone, please. And he's like, Ah, it's my cock. Oh, yeah, he gives a little Kniff, Ken Kniff moment sometimes there. He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, suck at it better. Yeah. Oh. But uh, <laughs> there you have it. There you have it. Um, was there anything else you want to touch on? Mm, I'm thinking no. Couple when quick we are back in the tri- studio, we're getting a punish button. We will be having a punish button. We're going to be soundboarding this so hard. And a bra. And, and a garbage day button. And and, all, and also, all the classic lines. And we're going to have a button with the monkey, with the chimp screams from the kids <laughs> inside. <Sally. laughs> that was really good, actually. Uh, I'm glad he got that on tape. We're going to compare that later on once we get in the <laughs> studio. Um, quick piece, a couple pieces of trivia that I didn't get to mention. Uh, number one, this movie um, was inspired, number one, by this, the baby, so the babysitter and the man upstairs with the calls coming from the house, that's like an urban legend mm-hmm. that was spread just in like the mid-20th century, presumably to scare children for no reason. Um, and then the big, the I think the famous instance besides this after that is when a stranger calls. And you have like that 20 minute sequence that's homaged in Scream with that early sequence with Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Um, it was also inspired by actual murders that would happen in 1943 in Montreal, um, where this 14 year old kid went crazy, bludgeoned his family members to death, and then killed a few other people before he was stopped. Um, and one last piece of trivia. So this movie in 78 was due to debut on NBC in January. Two weeks prior, there was a bunch of sorority killings in Florida, okay? Some guy killed two sorority girls and then attacked several others who were injured but survived. So NBC had to cut this. Instead, they played Doc Savage, Man of Bronze, 
um, in Leah of this film, it was later revealed that that man who killed those sorority girls was Ted Bundy. Hmm. So that's just the a hot small. Guy? The yeah, yes, the sexy hot. Zach Efron. The sexy hot guy. Yes, um, that looks like Zac Efron. Um, who you know, who's so just generous. this? He was just so damn charming. Okay, he was you know, so ma- hot. He, you know, he, he, so what? He killed and raped a few people. He was just so, he was just so sociable. You know, he's just so Dude different. Dude had a from, unibrow. He's not like other serial killers. That's what I'll say. He's not like other serial killers. He's different. He did have a unibrow, but I mean, I look compared to like you know, Gay, John Wayne Gacy. Okay. You know, well, honest, you're honest, comparing honest, apples and oranges here. Who's the hottest serial <laughs> killer? Do you think? Honestly, I I don't see enough people mention Dahmer. Like he gives yeah. Bundy a run for the money here. Yeah. You know he's he you know he when he was a kid you know he didn't he he had kind of that dorky cut in glasses but he really cleaned up later on. Uh, so he definitely gives Bundy a run for the money. Um, Arthur Lee Allen, you know he's he's definitely low on the fucking list. Yeah. Because um, he didn't kill anyone. Well, he did, he killed actually quite a few people in the San Francisco area between the late sixties and early seventies as the killer known as Zodiac. But I digress. Um, that's about it for trivia for now. Ted Kaczynski was hot. N- no, he wasn't. You know what? He was a, <laughs> he was a handsome young chap, and then uh, also MK I guess he is a his I mean, mind. And <laughs> the CIA was just like here, yeah. You're a probably promising young uh, mathematician. Uh, why don't you help us out with a little something, something? We'll give you a, some some education experience in return. He was like, okay, and then and then he realized, you know, technology and the revolution was a disaster and its consequences for the human race. But uh, oh well. And then he became they a Zodiac d- killer. And then he became. There, there's a theory that he is the Zodiac killer. Yeah, right? it's really embarrassing. Which I don't think like makes any logistic sense or is even possible. But I mean, there's there's theories everywhere about who the Zodiac could be. I mean, if you go to the site that has all the suspects, like even the ones where you just go low on the list, click on a random guy, you you read the page and you're like, yeah, actually, maybe that was him. Yeah, but I guess that so that just ended. I was gonna say that just goes to show like how number one how you know like generic i suppose like the descriptions of the zodiac killer were that like everybody thought their neighbor was the zodiac which was like a white guy with glasses which was like everybody in the 70s in america uh and also that i don't know i it's interesting to say the least and and i mean i guess we can uh, we can mention that the, there was that zodiac cipher that was solved recently yeah um, let's get David the movie Fincher bags to- and then we'll we'll have the zodiac <laughs> Okay, well, so you attack after. Okay, okay, you go first. You go first. I just want to say quickly one thing I forgot. My favorite shot of the movie, it looks so good, is when Peter is breaking in and you just see his silhouette on the window. Um, and he kind of has his hand up on the window and then he's like moving his head around before you can actually like see him. And it looks so creepy. And that's like the perfect moment where you're like, holy shit, there he is. And then, oh, it's Peter. Mm-hmm. Oh, is Peter the guy? Is this it? And that shot of him just moving around on the, the window, I love shit like that. There's so many shots in horror movies that use that 
silhouette shot, and I love it. Like, mm. it's in... Did you see Creep? I did not. The movie with that guy who was like, come to my cabin, we'll chill for a bit, and then they don't chill. Yeah, <laughs> they do the opposite of chill. <laughs> um, there's a shot where he's, like, standing on top of the the steps up to his house, and then the light mm-hmm. is just shining from behind him. So you just see his silhouette, mm-hmm. and I love that. I, I recreated Creep when we went to the corn maze, and I uh, ran away and then pounced on you. <laughs> that was, that's Creep. <laughs> that was uh, a Creep moment? I got you. That was a Creep moment. Uh, I'll give the movie, I think, 7 for now. Mm-hmm. 7 out of 10. Uh, just And I'm going to try to write it holistically, just because I really, really like the end. There are some aspects of it throughout the movie that I like, but... Uh, Maybe it's the characters. Maybe it wasn't so the pacing. The characters didn't grab me that much. Or the way they use them. Mm-hmm. Just kind of the investigation part. The shitty movie cops who, like, at the beginning when they call in, they're just like... Uh... And, and there was other stuff I forgot to mention. Like, the cops are like, uh, we don't have room in the hospital or fucking something. Uh, there's some stupid line where they're like, Oh, we don't have room for the three bodies. <laughs> at the hospital, There's... they get three bodies? Really? Yeah, it was something like that. And then at the beginning, they go and he's like, Oh, she's missing probably at our boyfriend's place. <laughs> like, this, uh, unfortunately, is not how the real world works. Unfortunately, as a police officer, you have to, whether or not, disregarding probabilities, you have to take every case seriously. You can't get away with dismissing shit as, oh, they're probably just there because that's not your, your job is to investigate is the point. Uh, so yeah, there's, there is movie cops. Okay. I, you know what? I'll say this. I've yet to see a film, I think with like fully foolproof cops, I, I'm, or perhaps I have, but you know, they weren't notable because they did their jobs. Okay. But you always have to have a certain degree of police incompetence in these films because the plot will be harder to write otherwise. Was Halloween kind of good uh, cop-wise? It was pretty good. I'm sure if we rewatch it, there's something. Um, the dumb thing in Halloween for me, and we disagreed about this, but was when Loomis was like, don't put out a police AP, or don't put out like a yeah, report. Yeah, yeah. That was like, okay. That like, people died because of him. Okay. Because <laughs> everyone could have just stayed home. Um, but oh, yeah. whatever. That's not that's a police fault because they listen to Loomis instead of being like "fuck you." Um, we know what we have to do, but yeah. Yeah. What? So, uh, what about you? What's your? What do you? What are you thinking on this one? So you get seven bags. I'm gonna give this one four out of five bags. I uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. I'll probably watch this uh, come every holiday season. You know, I was looking at a list of holiday films recently. And there's some films on there that are really great, but I find a lot of them I'm just so tired of watching. I don't ever want to see Home Alone again in my life, I think. I watch it one time and I'm um, good. Period. That movie fucking sucks. Sucks. I can't, I can't believe you've only seen that one time. You didn't watch it. They reuse movie. shots in that movie? Fuck you. <laughs> done. I'm done with that movie. No thanks. I've seen that movie so many times. And you're right. The, like, the movie is not that good um that has a nice score and there's some funny stuff and there's some iconic stuff but that movie kind of shit 
Uh, so I'm I'm trying to look for some new films to add to the annual stable stable here that I can watch and not think uh, I know exactly what's gonna happen. Let me just turn my brain off for thirty more minutes and then tune back in. So I'll add this one. This is a good four out of five bag. I enjoyed this quite a bit. I'll probably add, I'm gonna rewatch uh, Silent Night Deadly Night before the new year. Uh, ditto with me. I'm gonna watch the first one and then also the second one, but just I'm just gonna skip ahead. Yeah. Okay. Good call. In fact, honestly, if there isn't a project out there, I'm gonna do this, and this is a promise. I'm just gonna cut together the second film, and I'll splice it with the first film, so that you don't see any repeat shit. And it's gonna be the ultimate cut for the film if you don't like watching things you just saw five minutes ago. Again. You could probably, you could even keep in some of the um, recap stuff too. Just make it shorter, at yeah, least. Make make it uh, forty five minutes shorter of recap, and then then you're good. <laughs> Garbage day. Oh yeah. Um, speaking of which, uh, this is a small thing, but uh, I saw Silent Night, Deadly Night. They had a record day store release recently. Yep. I think we talked about this, but uh, each of them has like pieces of original film. Mm-hmm. However, there's a few thousand copies out and it's kind of cool. That'd be a nice piece to have. I'm kind of glad um, that Silent Night, Deadly Night is like a, a kind of a big cult deal. Like there's special releases and figures of it because I mean, it's such a weird film, but it's one thing like we saw it a year ago. I still think about it every once in a while. <laughs> Because it just has some memorable parts about the punish, the garbage day, like those easy things too. But I don't know. It's 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 a, it's a definitely worth checking out, I would say. I don't even remember how many bags we gave it. Low, because the movies are kind of shit, but they're worth watching. I'll say that. What? Uh, oh, it's probably this one. Saturday Night, Deadly Night, Vinyl LP. Oh, and it, it does come with the strips. You can get it on Discogs. There's one for like 40 bucks right now. Brand new and factory sealed. Buy with confident. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Unavailable in Canada. That's great. Thanks. Interesting. <laughs> and it's like a nice blood orange vinyl. Oh, with like... Okay, it's a gatefold. And on the inside, they have like Billy's drawing of where he... Like Santa stabbed with like the reindeer decapitated. Mm-hmm. That oh, that's a nice package. One soundtrack I really want to get is the uh, Dawn of the Dead one, because that one is fucking minty. Oh also, yeah. The... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, what's in that release? There are like, is are there is there any film in there, or is, am I thinking is that just Silent Night, or is there there's some nice goodies in there, right? No, it's just uh, they have a printed in like a just a little mini poster or whatever. Um, it looks pretty nice. It's just like circles with hands coming out, and this is Dawn of the Dead. And then you get a nice double LP where it looks like brains or whatever. It's like pink with kind of purple and yellow and white inside. It's nice. I want to get that package. I'm pretty sure my grandma got me the um, second second sight films. Second sight. Something, but they came up with this killer fucking, um, killer 
Blu-ray release of Dawn of the Dead. I think that's what she got me for Christmas. And there's also, I just saw this right now, there's a Night of the Living Dead vinyl or soundtrack. And the artwork is by that same comic book artist. And there's a gateful too with more art. Oh, and nice. And the back too. Is that like a Criterion release then? I assumed and that Sean Phillips, that Criterion commissioned him for that. Um, I guess, uh, like, let me know. Is that, I don't I, think... I, I don't think I sent you the link on music. Discord. Okay, let me see. It's by Waxwork Records, New Orleans-based record label specializing in the release of classic cinema, horror, cult, and sci-fi film scores. Interesting. There's a Reanimator one. Oh shit! And that artwork is nice. Just a little bit. Add a little bit of reage. If it's not reagent green vinyl, it's I don't want it. Reagent green. I, then I need it. I need I need it's some white with like green swirls in it. <laughs> I need some reagent in my life, man. Forget the COVID vaccine. Let's get that reagent going. Everyone's gonna have superpowers, and we'll all be chilling. It'll be dope. One scene I think about a lot is that scene in Reanimator where that fucking buff dude just kicks down the door and then stomps on the guy. Oh, dude, I dude, I love that scene. Where they have to fight like this absolutely roided out dude who's like, oh, oh, that's a great scene. And the gore is great when they kill him. Yep. We gotta rewatch Reanimator. Put that shit on Netflix or something. You were speaking of garbage a day earlier. I wanted to tie it back to garbage and talk to, talk about Arthur Lee Allen. Let's talk about Arthur Lee Allen. They solved a new um, cipher from his. I want David Fincher to make a director's cut factoring that in. Um,. I don't actually know if that gives any more credence to the idea that it's Arthur Lee Allen. No. Um, it doesn't? I mean, the, the the new cipher was really just more of the same of the other stuff. And it's just the same bragging, talking about how he's going to have slaves in the afterlife. It didn't add anything. The, the thing I think, and this is just kind of maybe pessimistic, because they found like the golden, oh, gold, what was it? Gold Area Killer. Mm-hmm. And he was like freaking 97, just fucking dying. They found him finally, like after all those years. So maybe they can find Zodiac. But the Zodiac Killer, like, the, I'm sorry, there's there's so so little hard evidence on this man, or who cares, woman, sure, this man or woman. There's no way is a woman. <laughs> there's no way. Um... Like, what do you have? You have um, a boot print, which is circumstantial evidence. Bullshit. Uh, Bullshit sketch that doesn't really mean anything. And I know the sketch. People who reference a sketch just fuck off. It's (laughs) it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. There are these kids who like think they saw someone, and they're like, "Can you describe him?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, he's a white man with glasses (laughs) and a buzz cut." Okay. That's your grade three teacher, honey. That is pretty, the Zodiac Killer. Pretty sure the sketch artist for that just looked at the D.B. Cooper sketch and yeah. kind of filled in the blanks with the details <laughs> given. Because uh, they, look, they look pretty similar. It's kind of weird. Um, and there's theories that D.B. Cooper is the Zodiac Killer and yada, yada, yada. D.B. Cooper is not the killer. That wasn't silly. Like, you're telling me that the Zodiac was like 
this cipher guy, this dude who knew how crypt, like cryptology ciphers were, killer and like he pulled this like super weird like plane heist like okay, he wasn't Superman okay he was just kind of a crazy guy. <laughs> the thing with the Zodiac, I honestly think he just got lucky a lot of the time. Like he was a smart guy, obviously, but like ha like big reason that they didn't find him. I think from what I've seen from the case, it's just, like, just general incompetence. Like, not that everyone, like, fucked up major. I mean, sometimes they did, but it was just, like, they caught on too late. The There was so much fear and panic about it. There were so many people who were, like, copycatting him and shit, and then he just quietly disappeared. The most interesting thing about the cipher for me that was solved is that he says he's done. And that yeah. has led to new theories that Paul Stein would have been the last kill and that he never killed again or like the kills that were like following that immediately were not zodiac that's the big thing yeah the the big one i forget what that lady's um what her name was the the one who picked up the her car broke down or whatever mm-hmm. I've I've always ruled that one out. Um, people can get mad at me if they want, but in my opinion, it was kind of bullshit. If you read into it more, her story really doesn't make sense, um, mm-hmm. and it was constantly changing. You could say because she was scared or whatever, but um, she just didn't think it was a zodiac at first, and then she saw like a picture, and she's like, "Oh, it was." She saw the composite sketch, and then she's like, "Oh, it was him," and they were like, oh, "Okay." So you have to also believe that the composite sketch is real or whatever, and it's 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 such it's garbage, it's garbage day. Um, that's my new catchphrase. It's garbage day. Um, I, I I do think I I think like my my opinion was um he he didn't care about the act of killing. I think he really did care more about the attention. And he was just mm-hmm. getting more so much attention from so little. I don't think he killed that many people. I know there's that one letter where he says like Zodiac thirty six. Um, <laughs> That's bullshit. The po- yeah, the police department zero. I I really don't think so. I think he killed those what five people for the couple, the taxi driver, and was on the other couple, and that I think. The Lake Berryessa killings, yeah. There, yeah. There, there was, um, what was her name? The lady that knew Arthur Lee Allen, which, like, I still, if we're talking about Zodiac, like, that's still, like, you know, as, as the kids they, these days say, sus. That Arthur Lee Allen knew this girl that got killed, like, that's, that, it's circumstantial, sure, but it's, it's kind of damning. Um, well, one thing is, like, if, if, here's the question, if he was, Okay. Why did his DNA not match with the envelope? I don't know. And that's the other thing is that the DNA doesn't match and then the prints don't match. Um yeah. I don't know. I like if he you I guess you could chalk that up to like uh whatever uh to just like the technology at the time like maybe they fucked it up. Maybe there was as somebody said maybe there was contamination at the scene. I don't know. It's that's like that's the big thing, of course, that prevents him from being like, why wouldn't that just check out easily? But I don't know. I don't know. There's just so much circumstantial evidence, like w- with Arthur, that like er- I think everyone just wants it to be him. They, I, they do. I want it to be him because I want to know. 
I'm I'm not ashamed to say, and I mean he's I think the most likely suspect given the evidence. But then even it's not a given that it's him. It's just like he had a Zodiac watch. He was in the military with cipher training, and then got kicked out for like unnamed reasons. He had a bad sexual uh, history with the women and with children in his school. Um, He had. I think he had the same shoes. Pretty sure I'm not making that up. I think he also had the same knife or a knife that was pretty similar. Um, And then there was like, also when he died and they raided his house, he had the same typewriter um, that was used to type out one of the letters. And there was like also that weird video that he had labeled to the police department where it was just like him flipping them off or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's the Zodiac could... watch. Yeah. I don't know. It's will we ever know? It's May- I don't I, Maybe. I don't know. The fact that we got new evidence or like new cypher crack today, um, it gives me hope that years maybe later will be solved. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, it took a while, but shit. No, I, I'm saying, like, that's crazy. 50 years, and then we finally got, like, holy shit. Yeah, it's, uh, I can't, it's crazy that it took that long. But, you know. I'll say this, so, yeah, also, hey, props. Hey, props, you know. <laughs> props to you, like, buddy. Hey, man, you know, like, we got, like, all the best dudes on this. You still not, we still don't know. Hey, you know, I'll throw, I'll, I'll, I'll concede, you know, when... When someone's done a bang-up job. He did a bang-up job. Okay. And I, I'll say this, too. I'm pretty sure... Sh- another, my take, my uneducated, completely uneducated opinion on shit. Uh, D.B. Cooper lived. He lived? Yeah. I, 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 would, I, was, I would say so, because they would have found his body. Yeah. Like, where's his body? I know, like, the... the I watch a, a long-ass video on this, talking about, like, the probability of where his body could have ended up from his jump is, is so ginormous. Um, like, it really... He really could have landed in a huge-ass area that no, no nobody's going to look through. <laughs> like, it, it was so wide. Um, like, when you're talking about distances of that height and at that speed, any little um, difference... In the long run, is going to make a huge impact. Um, but I, um, they found like some of the money that they gave him because I, I don't think this is probably some Canadian money. I haven't even looked to be honest. But I, I know American money has codes. They have codes on them, mm-hmm. and that way they can track where every dollar bill goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the money they gave him, um, they had all those codes, and they found that money like in a river way fucking far off from where he could have landed. It was, it was a young, a young boy found a cache of the banknotes along, I think it was the Columbia river. Yeah. And which is cause I, where, where was the hijacking? It was like somewhere it was in like the Western United States. Right. I don't know exactly. Yeah. What, I forget where he jumped was. off. But apparently, like that didn't that only de- that didn't really like help them at all when he found the money. Like everyone's like, "Okay, now there's more questions." And if you go to the Wikipedia, yeah. which I'm on right now, there's like four million suspects. I, it doesn't even matter. He, the guy, the, 
of these suspects, I mean, um, I haven't looked into DB Cooper too much. It doesn't interest me as much just because, like, he got a- if he got away with it, he would have just ideally, given that he was probably a smart guy, would have just like quietly lived with his million dollars or whatever, how much it was. Yep. And then just, just would have got like, soda pops and a couple of Big Macs and chilled. W- went to the Bahamas, was just chilling on the beach. I mean, that's what I would do if I would do this. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, he wasn't like a serial thief. <laughs> like this isn't a this isn't a movie, guys. You know, like. <laughs> but but yeah, I don't know. He either died and he's his body's somewhere and the money's close by, or he lived and he went down quiet and you know what that's that's satisfying for me that's all that's it like that one is the only way they're ever going to they're, the only way they're ever going to have a closed case on this is if <laughs> you know some jagoff comes and says his uncle was db cooper or whatever and this <laughs> happened five times a day and it's true or because he's he's dead of old age by now he he was like 50 or whatever 40 when it happened he's he's probably dead of old age same with i mean zodiac killer's dead he's dead either yeah, way he's for sure dead he, he died around the same time arthur lee allen died i'm pretty sure and so he's either dead um and they i mean sorry they, either someone says like oh yeah he was my uncle and it's true or they find his body with everything he jumped off with and <laughs> I, I don't think either of those are gonna happen. Probably, I mean, but dirt will just wash over his body and sand and shit and piss and it's just gonna be gone. So I I don't will ever know. Uh, Zodiac killer maybe that one, probably not. A DB Cooper movie would be decent. I mean, he can't do too much with it because there was. I mean, there isn't a. There's an investigation about it, but I don't know if it would. It wasn't. It wasn't like Zodiac, like Fincher's, where there was like, boom. They were investigating while it was happening. There was shit happening in California. There was a bunch of people on the case, bunch of suspects. This one was like, guy was like, give me my money, peace, left. We don't know where the fuck he is. Yeah. But I'd like. I'd like to see like a short film or something. I don't know. It'd be cool. I want to see like a depiction of the heist. There's a lot of like serial killers who people just say i mean there's a lot of people who just people say are smart when they're really not like they either get lucky or they're just really confident like a lot of times people say like salespeople are really smart like uh jordan belfort is really smart he was he was a fucking moron dude. <laughs> well you know what he was he was <laughs> He was like a he was a clever guy. He made a lot of money, and then like I mean, he made dumb decisions after that. I'll say that. But he was a savvy businessman, that's for sure. He, he was, was confident. That that helps. That's a big thing. That's why the sell me the pen thing is 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 like still people talk about. I see that in my YouTube recommending all the time. I don't want to see anything in Jordan Belfort because he's a piece of shit. He was a piece of shit. If like the movie doesn't even really go into it, he was a piece of shit. He's a bad guy. He was a bad. Oh, he, he's. St- I mean, not he was. He's still alive and doing yeah. shit. He's but now I mean, he's clean or whatever, and he does his little podcast or who cares, <laughs> where he tells people to you got to wake up at five thirty a.m. and take a cold shower and uh, and don't jerk off. Please don't jerk off. 
and you have to um, and you have to do neck curls. You got to strengthen your neck. Um, also, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and all that stupid self help shit. I mean, like the the movie. The best thing I could say about that is that end of the movie when he's doing the self help stuff, and it's all those people that are trying to find success. We we'll never talk about the movie because it's too mainstream. But it's a great movie, Wolf of Wall Street. It it was extremely popular. But that's a great movie. I'd love to watch it. Uh, yeah, it's not my favorite Scorsese movie, but it's it's really it's really good. DiCaprio on that movie, like, r- was robbed. Honestly, he should have won an award for that movie. It's not my favorite either. Honestly, I I I like Departed better. I also like Departed is a good movie. Don't don't even trip, bro. I like I don't know if I like Taxi Driver better. Honestly, um. I haven't seen like that much Scorsese. What have I seen? I've seen Mean Streets. That one's pretty good. I've seen Taxi Driver. I've yet to see Raging Bull. That one's going to be up on the list. Um, but yeah. Raging Bull, not a fun watch. Um, it, does he have any... Actually, Wolf of Wall Street is a fun watch. Like yeah. for the most part. But yeah. yeah. Have you seen Goodfellas? I have yet to see Goodfellas as well. That's, uh, good that's on, movie. Maybe that's, a 10 bagger. Ten bagger, yeah, it's it's hot. Ooh, I, I it's it's on the list. You know, I have a big list of all these movies to watch. You know, I can't watch them all, guys. I'm trying. God, Ray Lord Liotta, knows. De Niro, Joe Pesci. All I know from Goodfellas is, uh, ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a gangster. That's all I Good know. Good opening. Holy shit. But uh, it's it. it uh, I'll let you guys know. I'll try to watch it soon, and I'll I'll give you my two cents. Um, that was our Zodiac episode. Good movie, Thanks Zodiac. Not a ten. Not like a full five bagger. High though. High four bags. Good movie. That, that movie. I mean, I don't know. Iron Man was good in it. I <laughs> Iron Man was good in it. Um, it's good. It's good. Jake, either Gyllenhaal or Jake Gyllenhaal. It's Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. Who's the other Jake? In the movie, who's the or... only Jake? I'm having a stroke. In Hollywood, um, or uh, who cares? Jake Gyllenhaal. He just plays Jake Gyllenhaal in the movie. Kind, kind of a uh, an uh, an oddball. Yeah, I mean, you know what? He he knows what to play. Especially after Nightcrawler, he's gonna be the the creepy weird guy forever. So he just cemented it. Good song. movie. That's on him. Nightcrawler is a good movie too. It's a good movie. It's a good little. It's a good little picture. Uh, next week we're gonna figure out what we're gonna do and do it on the spot. Uh, we don't have a pick for next week. No, we're just gonna do uh, holiday specials. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Okay. And um, you wanted, you brought this up. I'm gonna see if you're still vibing with it. Do you want to do the voyage home after that? Yeah, let's do voyage home. Uh, that's fourth movie. How many movies are there after that? Two. We're not doing any TNG movies because, I mean, you tell me those ones suck, right? Uh, they're pieces of shit. Yeah, except for First Contact. Some people say it's bad. I think it's good. Um, we, I mean. <laughs> We can maybe do it in a year or so, uh, but I'm not interested in talking about why they're bad because it's just so apparent when you watch them. <laughs> um, 
like generations like, oh god <laughs> makes no fucking the plot makes no sense um i i haven't watched this which is the one i haven't watched yet um there's one i watched generations i didn't watch insurrection and i heard that one's just terrible nemesis is so cringe um seeing uh oh what's his name tom hardy tom hardy as freaking shinzon so stupid isn't and he the is he a clone of picard is that what it is he's a clone of picard which oh my lordy there's a scene where picard is looking at an old picture of himself and i think he it's tom hardy bald but i'm pretty sure there's a flashback in the TNG and Picard isn't bald when he's younger and they just did it did that so the audience would go oh yeah it's Picard because he's bald and oh my god the ending makes no sense <laughs> my first contact is pretty good uh, but yeah Voyage Home and then Final Frontier which sucks and well maybe you'll like it but uh, I'm going to preemptively give it zero bags and uh, <laughs> The Undiscovered Country and then there's the new movies after that, which are they're pretty they're all they're pretty good except for Into Darkness, which is shitty. Um, R.I.P. Tarantino Trek, which we'll never get because uh, I don't even know Tarantino hasn't even announced his next next project yet, but it's supposedly his last one. I hope I they won't do this, but I almost wish that like some of the concepts. I hope we learn whatever he he wanted Star Trek to be. Like, whatever his vision was. I hope the script gets leaked or something. Or even they reuse aspects of it. But apparently they're doing a new Trek film. I don't know what they're doing. Um, I don't... They're not going to do Kirk and Spock and the gang again, I think. I think you'll agree with me. Like, they're not going to recast again, right? Um, It's like... Damn if you do, damn if you don't. So, I think... If they don't, they're going to really have to sell it and make people interested in it because most people just know Kirk and Spock and he's dead Jim and that's what they want to see. Um, mm-hmm. But if they do, then it's like, okay, I just saw J.J. Abrams' Trek. What? Like, what do you got that I didn't get there? Um, mm-hmm. But I, personally, I want to see new, fresh ideas, and I want to see a good sci-fi movie, not a revenge story or a doomsday weapon. I really just want to see interesting sci-fi flicks, because once you watch all the six movies, you're going to say, damn, there's one movie about revenge, and the rest are all completely unique. Wrath of Khan is a revenge movie. Um you could say maybe like Viger is a doomsday, but other than that, they're all pretty unique um, in how they're made. But the movie that like we're supposedly getting, I I haven't looked this up, but I, I assumed it was Tarantino's script because the script is greenlit as far as I know. Yeah, well, okay, let me, I was just looking at that. Let me take a look here. I'm going to tell, I'm, I'll, I'll give you the scoop here. So in in December it was announced that Tarantino was working on the film um, with Abrams and that he was going to be the director. Man, that um, tight. And he didn't do the script. Uh, he didn't do the script, which was which was a green, which in hindsight is a red flag. Like when when has Tarantino directed not his own script? I don't think ever. Uh, never. 
never i don't i don't even know what that would be like i i'm scared to see what that would be like i don't want to see it i want to see Tarantino do his own scripts honestly um they finished the screenplay last year so it's done it was uh, reportedly based on original series and it took place on earth in a 1930s gangster setting i don't know what that that means <clears throat> i mean that's just original truck yeah they would just they do shit like that. They oh, would just it's go. Gangster planet. It's the Nazi planet. Yeah. Um, yeah. He said. He said it was like Pulp Fiction in space, which I'm sure Paramount told him to say. Uh, yep. <laughs> and he, he said, said it, it's like Pulp Fiction in space. Because then people go, oh, I love Pulp Fiction. I love space. Let's watch that. He said it was going to be rated R. Shatner and Pine were like, Yeah, um, we'd be down for this movie to come back as Kirk. And nobody then, wants to see Shatner right and, now. I yeah I don't I'm I'm seriously scared to see Shatner do anything in the year of our Lord 2020. He's on his way out, um, but hopefully we'll get Generations two, uh, in the meantime. And then in twenty in January, Tarantino's like the film might get made. I'm not. I'm probably not going to direct it. And now it looks like the movie in general has been i suppose okay the, the apparently the whole project's delayed because of covid um i don't see this seeing the light of day for a while i don't know i'm, I'm i'd be down for a new star trek movie though because um i like to see star trek on the big screen i don't think the tv truck is really doing it for anybody right now the new stuff no sucks the we old stuff low, the lower decks Oof. TNG has aged like fucking fine wine. I don't care who hears this. Dude, that movie, uh, that show, oh my god. Oh my god. The practical effects, gonna look good forever. The CGI Luke uh, in The Mandalorian, it's not gonna look good in two fucking weeks. Okay? <laughs> it looks like a shitty Snapchat filter, bro. That shit's embarrassing. Oh and, my god. And see that kind of gets to the root of the problem. And it's more a thing in Star Wars because like we Star Wars has not yet gone through the whole generations thing. Nope. Where it's like they need to, new... dude. But they tried and people didn't like it. People I didn't like I, like I I just need a new someone new to act. you can hire. I don't need to see fucking Peter Cushing as as Grand Moff Tarkin, I'm not seven years old, dude. <laughs> and seven-year-olds don't care. You can just hire a new guy, call him Grand Moff Tarkin, and don't have him be played by Bill Burr, and I'll be fine with it. I won't care. I'll say, oh, yeah, there's Grand Moff Tarkin. I don't need Snapchat filter Luke where he has seven pixels on his face, and when he talks, it, it, it looks like, oh, my God. It looks like the deep fakes I've seen on YouTube where Joe Rogan is actually <laughs> Zoe McGuire, Lizzie McGuire, or some shit. Like, I, just hire new people, guys, please. What, like, what are you gonna do when when Mark Hamill dies? Oh my god! Uh, but you know what? They recast the thing. They recast Han Solo, and nobody was really buying it. The movie okay. sucked. That's why. And he doesn't. The and he. Okay. He really didn't look like him. Sorry. <laughs> That's true. I I'm seeing people wanting to cast Sebastian Stan as um, as Lou because he kind of looks like Mark Hamill. And Sebastian Stan is Winter Soldier. Yeah. yeah. That could that could work. I I I mean. Yeah. I mean, do it. It's it just just avoid the CGI thing because it's not. It doesn't look good. 
Okay, it limits how much time you can have the character on screen for because of money and also because of the suspension of disbelief can only hold up for so long. I don't know. Star Wars is in a weird place right now um, where, you know, they're... I don't know. I don't know. His nose is off, but he could definitely pull off Luke. His eyebrows and nose are a little off, but the rest is fine, honestly. Just add those little warts or whatever you call it that Luke has and it will be uh, it'll be good honestly um I Just was thinking at work today I don't know if I'd ever do this because it could turn out cringe like Chris Stuckman but I'd like to either write try writing like a Star Trek or Star Wars script maybe one day because I was, I was like, thinking at work today about like what a sequels could be like and I thought of okay ideas you could, I mean, do it. I mean, there's some well-received fan films I know that people like a lot, especially for those two films on YouTube and shit like that. I mean, it's worth it. It's worth. It's yeah, always worth sequ- trying. Sequel should have just been Luke and the and his new gang of Jedi just destroying the uh, remnants of the Empire. If if you want good sequel stuff, just please read the books or comics, please. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, hopefully, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. You know, Mandalorian's pretty good, right? You know, maybe some of these yeah. new shows will be pretty good, and then you know, maybe they'll get back on track. But I don't like the approach that they're doing, which is let's pump out as much shit as possible. Um, you know, like we we had that with Marvel, and like you know, it's cool, I guess, but now I don't care, and I'm not gonna watch anymore. So, yeah, it's. Just pray. Everyone pray for Star Wars. Pray for Star Wars. Hashtag pray for Star Wars, please. Last thing, and then I'm ending the show. Did okay. you see the uh, post credit scene, Mandalorian? Uh, for with, I didn't see the post credit scene. I do know that it is it related to the Boba show. Yeah. Uh, what, what's what's the scoop? And it kind of made me excited for it. Like, maybe I'll watch a Boba Fett show. I don't know. But I'm for sure not watching the Cassian Endor show or whatever the hell it's called. I don't but know what they're they, thinking with that. Oh, my God. That is bold. I'll, I'll say that. What are they thinking? Oh, my God. Like, what? Nobody remembers that character from four years ago. What is, what is going on? Uh, basically, the end credit scene is um, Boba Fett goes to Jabba's palace. Spoiler alerts, I guess, whatever. He goes to Jabba's palace, and uh, he goes down the steps, and he he's kind of introduced the same way that... I think it was Leia's introduced in Return of the Jedi, where I'm pretty sure Leia shoots a guy, and he tumbles down the stairs or whatever. Um, and he So Boba Fett shoots a guy to the stairs down, comes down, shoots some other people... Uh, Bib Fortuna is there now as the leader of the crime syndicate, whatever. Um, shoots the Twi'lek slave girl he has. Uh, shoots her free. She has like that chain. Shoots a chain. She goes free. And then Bib Fortuna is like, hey, hey, man, we've been looking for you. How are you? What's going on, buddy? And then he just shoots him dead. Pushes his body off the throne and then just sits down on it. And then it's like the book of Boba Fett. December 2021. I was like, oh, that could be cool. I If they do like short shows like this, honestly, I don't mind. Like Season 2 of Mandalorian was 8 episodes. I forget what Season 1 was because it was so long ago that I watched it. But, I mean, pretty inoffensive. I'm not going to watch the Ahsoka show, though. I, I had the Ahsoka show. 
Uh, don't don't need that. So. How about the Rangers of the Republic show? Don't care. How about the new A Droid Story show starring uh, R2 and C-3PO? I really don't care because the original had so much character. I'll just, I'll just watch the uh, the original. How about I mean, the it's, new it's, anime? It's, uh, don't care. Um, how about, the, La- again, how about like, the Lando show? The Lando show, though. How about the Lando show? I, I told you. I told you once, <laughs> like, two years ago there's going to be a fucking Lando show. Did I not? No, you're <laughs> you're right. You're right. You said you did say that. You did say that. Because at the end of Return of or uh, the what was it called? The Last Jedi was that the ninth movie? The, when he uh, Rise of Skywalker. That, is Rise of Skywalker the last one? That's the last one. Yeah. Oh Lord. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't a joke. I li- I don't. I didn't know. The Rise of Skywalker when he says. Um, to the black the bl- lady. random bla- the, the black girl that nobody cares about who just fins love interest because because uh, we need they're one. both black right because and we can't have miscegenation can like each other no miscegenation in star wars period i, I don't know allowed. if that's a Dis- if that's a china meme or whatever but um he's like, <laughs> hey kid you want to join me on adventure and i i said that is going to be a show or a movie, and here we are with the show I will not watch. I'm not going to watch fat old Billy D. Williams be Lando, hey. or I will not watch Donald Glover be sexy Lando. Sexy, suave, robot loving Lando. Not going to watch that either. Disco Lando. Tessel runs they do, or fucking epic, stupid cameos they have like in Rogue One where they see Dr. What's his name? Balbazar or some shit. And Pawn. God, I can't remember all these characters' names. <laughs> Pawn Far? It's Pawn Far, for sure. Yeah, Pawn Far. Dr. Cornelius Evazon, whatever. Who's Dr. Balbazar? Where did I get that from? Dr. Salacious Crumb? Is that what you're talking about? You're talking about Salacious Crumb. I love Salacious Crumb. Crumb. I hope Salacious Crumb makes an appearance in the Lando show, even though he got blown the fuck out. I hope he's a supporting character in the droid show. In the droid show, he'd be a nice fit. Um, I got the droid show. I already have a Bad Batch show. It's the last season of the Clone Wars. I'm good. I'm good on these shows. So you're not going to watch the Bad... You're not going to watch Bad Batch? I don't need to. Maybe uh, in a few years, if I'm... Craving some Star Wars content. There's a lot of content to go. I played like none of the games. I know nothing of the games. I know Force Unleash, um, which I don't. I know it's not like it, it's not officially canon. I don't consider it canon, but I'll. I I, I know that one, uh, and I know. I think there's a Commando game. Um, but that's a, doesn't like, it. I, that's all I know. And there's an NES one. That's it. Isn't Ahsoka... This just, Ahsoka dies, right? Did Vader kill Ahsoka or something? The, well, okay. So they meet in Rebels and fight. Um, she, she does live, though. But it, 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 it... Like, it ends on you believing that she's dead. Oh, so... But, like, in a way, like, oh, we could... You know, maybe she's still here kind of thing. 
that's why her being in the Mandalorian was like a, a big thing. But I I think even like I'm not too familiar with Rebels. I'm pretty sure she does make a reappearance in that show. So maybe her being in Mando wasn't a huge thing. Uh, I'm pretty I, sure. Uh, I, never mind. I got you. I got you, bro. I got you. I'm ending the show. It, this is a long one for. This is a huge been... post bags discussion. Huge. <laughs> Ginormous. Yeah. Uh, also, I'll be so happy when Trump wins the election. <laughs> In a few days when they, when the Supreme Court goes, you know what, upon review, Biden and liberals did rig the election with the help of Russia. Trump, you're back on deck. You're going for your second term. I can't wait. And then he goes to the fuck the jail. Enjoy jail, Trump. It'll be no, fun. It'll be no, fun, buddy. No, 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 no. He'll be good, he'll be good. Don't worry about it. He'll, he'll be chill, he'll be chill, he'll be chill. Did anything come of uh, Epstein's wife or girlfriend? Did anything ever come of that? Uh, I I don't... Not that I knew, know of. Um, what was his... What was his wife's name? Jislaine um, uh, Maxwell. I'm assuming she's still awaiting trial for something. Um... U.S. says Ghislaine Maxwell should stay behind bars, deserves no bail. Uh, so, she, yeah, she's still awaiting trial, I guess. Um, I wonder, like, statistically how many years the legal system is, like, uh, backed up. Um, a, a lot. That's why, like, it takes, like, 20 years for dudes who are sentenced to death to actually die. Yeah. And they're like, like you can't just give them the. Inch- I mean, I don't. I advocate for the death penalty at all. I think it's inhumane. I think it's terrible. I've, I. Don't you know. do. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think anybody deserves to die. Period. That's just me. I'm uh, torn on it because, like, what what do you think the purpose, ideally, of jail is? There's two reasons. The big K, this is the big thing, is that jail should be for rehabilitation and also to separate those deemed dangerous to society from society. Yeah. So what's the only so the only real justification for the death penalty is because you don't want to waste resources on a person who's gonna stay in jail forever and that to me is inhumane. How so? I, I don't I I just don't think anybody should just be killed in the interest of um, like saving money or, or I don't know, like if somebody's in a maximum security prison and they, you know, live there for the rest of their life, there's, they're not harming anybody. And I mean, you can rehabilitate them or attempt to give them a better life in prison. That's it. I guess so. I, I, I've always been torn on it because like for me, and this is so not the case, well, uh, in North America for sure. Um, mm-hmm. our prison system is a fucking joke uh, but for me I've always thought it should be for rehabilitation so if someone is un rehabilitatable <laughs> uh, then I'm like well then what are we doing I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean, but the problem is that a nobody can really deem that like you can really have you can have like you know psychologists come in and say you can't fix this guy, but. I don't know. Just to me, it's it's a, it's just a fundamental violation of human rights to kill anybody. Period. It just shouldn't be done, in my opinion, by any sort of institution. Um, it it's just a be fundamental viola- violation of human rights to keep the show going this long. Uh, so <laughs> we're gonna end it here.
We end the show. It's an, an hour and 42 minutes. We spent 40 minutes doing post bags. Uh, you guys, next week, you will see. <laughs> next week is going to be the surprise episode. Uh, week after that, also surprise because we don't know what we're doing right now. Uh, in the Voyage meantime, home. we're doing Voyage Home after next week, right? Yeah. In the meantime, uh, everybody have a safe and merry Christmas and happy holidays and so on and so forth. Uh, drink a lot of eggnog, you know, stay home if you can. And, uh, None of you are. Well, yeah. <laughs> don't say that because if, if, if we tell people that they're, nobody's staying home, then I might as well go out, right? Yep, go out. Everybody go out, have a good time. COVID, you know, it's fairly real, I think. I don't, I don't know anybody who has COVID. I haven't, that's, I haven't that's seen all anybody that, who has COVID. That's all the evidence I need, and uh, that's all I'll say for today. Yabba-dabba-doo! That's my new cafe trays. Goodbye! See ya.